Good morning to you. I hope you're well. It is Wednesday, the 7th of February, 2024. Wednesday morning in Salford. It's wet, it's cold. Bit cold this morning, I suppose. We're still in February. We're a week in to February. Good. This is good. The back of the winter, I think, has been broken. We might have some cold weather to come, but we're nearly there. If you detest as much as I do the dark mornings and the dark early evenings, I think it's time to be optimistic. The papers. Let's look at the front pages, starting this morning with The Telegraph. Let's look. There is a photograph on The Telegraph of Camilla and Charles being chauffeured. They're in the back of a, presumably, a big Merc or a big Land Rover. I've no idea. The headline is, Harry's Dash to see father. Self-explanatory that Harry, the Duke of Sussex, I believe, has rushed from Los Angeles. He took a 10-hour flight, a 10-hour flight, direct to London, and then was whisked to Clarence House, the King's home in London, for a meeting with his beloved papa. His estranged papa. They love the word, sorry, they love the term, papa these royals. Anyway, number of the papers going with this Harry dash, as the tabloids falling over themselves to criticise Harry, and to kind of take the piss out of him, and depending on which tabloid you believe, he either had a 30, a 40, or a 45 meeting with his father and stepmother. You know, the idea being that he wasn't very welcome. Charles has been diagnosed with cancer, although many in the independent media are taking this news with a large dose or a large pinch of salt. So even though the front pages were emblazoned with news about Charles's cancer yesterday, they're running the same stories again today with the Harry theme. The Metro, for example, same photograph of Charles and Camilla in the back of the car. The headline is, Harry, I'm here for you, pa. Papa it is. The Metro knows better. They don't use pa, it's papa. Anyway, he flew in ten hours. Then he took a 30-minute helicopter flight to Sandringham. Well, your concern for your papa supersedes all concerns about the planet and flying around in helicopters. Uh, The Daily Express, Harry's show of love, Cheers King. Smiling Charles, seen for first time since diagnosis. Jesus Christ. Daily Mail, Harry spends just 45 minutes with Charles. And Duke, that's Harry, and William, his brother, have no plans to meet at all. The Times, Harry reunited with father after diagnosis. Also on the front page of the Times, Labour to get tough with junk food firms. If Labour forms the next government, it will take nanny stating to glorious new levels. It's going after junk food firms. It's going after two-for-one deals. Cost of living crisis, tough shit paddy, Labour will say. We're going to cut all of those cheap two-for-one deals you might get at the supermarket checkout because we deem the food not to be healthy enough for you. That's uh, the front page of the Times. The Sun King's 30-minute reunion with Harry. Harry flew 10 hours. Then he jumped on a chopper. He was like Annika Rice. You have to be 
of a certain age to get that. I wonder how many people listening to this will get that reference. He was like Annika Rice, God love her. Ten hours he flew, then he jumped on a chopper uh, for a half an hour, and then the king was like, I'll give you 30 minutes, you ginger bastard. (laughs) And that's pretty much the front page of The Sun. The Daily Mirror, brave face of the king, Christ almighty. The Guardian, NHS delays leave 600 children a week facing mental health crisis. I will come back to that. Financial Times, Trump denied immunity in election interference case by federal judges. Well, you know all about that now. It is a big news story overnight. Former US President Donald Trump would be next president. Donald Trump, he's going to be the Republican nominee. He thought that any charges against him pertaining to comments he made after he lost the election in 2019, November 2019. Of course, he was replaced by Biden in... No, he lost it in 2024. 2020, what's wrong with me? Yeah, November 2020, that's right. Um, Yeah, um, Trump says, well, I was president, I had immunity, I, I could say whatever I wanted to about the result. Well, federal judges have said, no, you shouldn't have said what you said. You don't have immunity. And we can, you know, take these charges against you quite seriously. That's the independent. Sorry, sorry, that's the Financial Times. Also on the front page of the Financial Times, Rolex thefts in Mayfair worry India's business elite as much as trade deals. So Indian, that is people working for the Indian government, delegates working on trade deals and the elite of, um, you know, the creme de la creme of Indian business are concerned about the spate of Rolex thefts in Mayfair. It's all the rage in London. Not just now, it's been for a long time. If you have the money to wear a very expensive watch, and there are other expensive watches besides Rolexes, parts of London are no-go areas. Well, if you're wearing the watches, that is, because guys on mopeds and guys running up behind you wearing motorbike helmets and balaclavas are likely to smack you around the back of the noggin and uh, relieve you of your expensive watch. Yes, the Financial Times. The I, post office built second IT system behind wrongful convictions. So the I paper complains even, uh, claims in an exclusive, it says, the post office itself was behind the design of another faulty IT system that may have led to sub-postmasters being unfairly prosecuted and convicted before the Horizon scandal. It says the iPaper does that the government is in talks about alleged errors in the Capture accounting software. So Capture accounting software. The post office was behind that design that may have led to other people in the past being wrongfully accused and then convicted of fraud. That is kind of interesting. As the Daily Star, don't flush your bog if it's raining, is the headline. (laughs) Right, right. A Tory MP has a plan to stop sewage spilling into Britain's rivers. The way to do that is to avoid flushing your toilet if it is pissing it down outside. That is the headline 
in the Daily Star. You should probably leave that one alone. You're listening to The Papers, a podcast which does what it says on the tin, reviewing, looking at the pages, the front pages of The Papers and some of the more interesting stories inside. As I record this recording, because podcast only, it is now 6.28 in the a.m., this glorious morning in the year of our Lord, the 7th of February, 2024. Arnold, who's Arnold? Right, okay. The Guardian's lead story, front page, children's emergency mental health referrals in England soar by 53%. And this basically says that mental health issues in children are growing exponentially, and they have done, particularly in the previous three to four years. Surprise, surprise. Okay, right, there were 32,521 emergency and urgent referrals to child and adolescent mental health services crisis teams in 2022 to 2023 alone. Now, this is data which has been analysed by the Royal College of Psychiatrists. In in the year 2019 to 2020, the year before the COVID scam, the figure was 21,242. Wow. Of course, The Guardian doesn't refer to the COVID pandemic as the scam. In case you're wondering, the increase means, says The Guardian, more than 600 mentally ill children a week are deteriorating to such a state that they have reached crisis point. Many of them require emergency care, some suicidal or seriously ill as a result of eating disorders have been stuck on waiting lists for an average of five months and in the worst cases as long as two years, according to the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Well, this is not a surprise at all, really, is it? Also for them, and Molly Kingsley, who co-founded that organisation which looks out for the rights of children, and she was on the Richie Allen show a couple of weeks ago. She's been all over this for the last few years. Look, it's a perfect storm. But you could argue, you might make the argument, that it is, it is a storm that has all the hallmarks of a carefully cultivated plan. Okay? This is not some accident. The byproduct of the government and the 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 apparatuses of the state doing all they could to keep the nation safe during COVID. And this is just an unfortunate byproduct. No, there are those, and I number myself amongst them, who would say that this is a deliberate agenda. And I won't dwell on this because this is the papers where I don't get into it in great depth because I think you completely understand it. I mean, they must have known that by 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 telling children throughout 2020, morning, noon and night, that they were in grave danger from an unseen enemy, a deadly pandemic that was sweeping the planet and killing the old people and killing the vulnerable. And therefore, children, you must stay out of school. You must stay away from your friends. You must not play. You must not go outside. You must learn sitting in front of a computer. You must not see your beloved granddad and grandmum, lest you kill them with a hug. Need I go on? Right? 
Of course. We've learned, haven't we, in the last couple of years about how children who were aged two or three or four in 2020 have been left with severe developmental problems in the wake of it and that their language skills are not up to scratch, you know. So you put all of that into the mix and then you throw in that for several years they've been basically forcing children to live their lives online, forcing them, creating the conditions around where children, creating the conditions, creating the situation where children would spend their time increasingly online, on the internet, and most of that time through the lens of a smartphone, where they would, you know, share details of their lives and and where they would go mining TikTok and Facebook and Instagram for likes and for approval. All of that. Kids must be fucked up, right? And now they're saying that because the NHS became a COVID-only treatment centre for, for basically the whole of 2020 and 2021, the children who are now completely fucked up don't have anywhere to go for help. Again, we say surprise, surprise. Let's leave that alone. Also in The Guardian, an opinion piece by Alan Sims, I've reported on the, the decision by the, the voters of Paris in a referendum in Paris to ban, not to ban, but to charge people parking SUVs in Paris uh, as much as €250 for six hours in an effort to rid Paris, not just of SUVs, sports utility vehicles, but also what they call big cars. So this has happened, even though the the turnout in the vote in Paris was absolutely wretched. Only 6% of those eligible to vote actually voted. But now if you own an SUV, you can expect to pay €250 to park it in the city for six hours, which is about the average. If you're coming from out of town and you want to park up and you want to have a little bit of shopping time and then you want to go to one of Paris's beautiful cafes or bistros and have some frog's legs or escargot or a scallop of boeuf, right? Right? Six hours? Fair enough, 250 quid. Alan Sims in The Guardian, he's a climate evangelical. He wants it to come to the UK. Let's bring such rules to the UK. Let's get SUVs and large vehicles off of our streets, says Alan Sims. Now, this broadcaster, this bold gammon, um, I'm well aware, okay, that some of these SUVs are ridiculous. And they have been growing and growing and growing over the years to the point where many of them don't fit neatly into your standard parking space. I know this. I drive an estate car. I'm an old traditionalist. I drive an estate because we've got two dogs. Like the car is not particularly big. It fits neatly into the standard parking space with a little bit of room on either side. But I am finding it, I'm bemused a lot of the time when I'm in Manchester City Centre, when I'm in Salford, when I'm at Media City, I see these massive cars that don't fit into a parking space. And I'm wondering, why are they so bloody big? Do they need to be this big? SUVs were roomy enough previously. Why have they grown this big? Yes, I get that. And pollution is a problem. 
But pollution and climate change are two different things. And you could possibly solve the pollution problem if you wanted to by encouraging through the offering of tax breaks and whatnot to car manufacturers to maybe do a bit more to minimise the pollution, you know, um, when they're manufacturing these cars. But they want to get cars off the road full stop. So that's what this is all about, really. They want people eventually to be travelling around on public transport only. And only the very, very wealthy will have cars, the electric driverless cars. The rest of us, it is planned, will make our way around our 15-minute cities on trams and on buses. So Alan Sims in The Guardian, yes, it's great what's happened in Paris. Let's bring it in here. Here's a story in The Telegraph today that greatly interests me. Tucker Carlson ready to interview Putin. Yeah. Tucker Carlson has confirmed he is in Moscow to interview Vladimir Putin following days of speculation. See, Tucker Carlson is the star here, not the information, not Vladimir Putin and what Putin might say. It's all about Tucker Carlson, you see. As the Telegraph says, the former Fox News broadcaster, and please don't forget that, don't forget where he worked previously, CNN. Don't forget that he worked for a contracting company in Iraq uh, during the days of the attempt to overthrow Saddam Hussein. Know Tucker Carlson. Know who he is, who he was, what he did and what he is doing. That's what I ask you. You know, but anyway, the Telegraph says, um, Carlson posted a four-minute monologue on his website and on Twitter. Tonight, we're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, he said. We'll be doing that soon. Uh, Carlson's interview will mark the first time a Western journalist has interviewed the Russian leader since the country invaded Ukraine two years ago and the Kremlin intensified its crackdown on press freedom. At least 19 journalists are thought to be detained in Russia at the moment, including Evan Gershkovich, the Wall Street Journal reporter who has been held on espionage charges since March 2023. Carlson said he was interviewing Putin because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. My hero. Give him the Pulitzer now. What a man. Carlson said the interview would be unedited and would be shown on his website, Tucker Carlson Network, and later broadcast on Twitter. And then he went on to thank his friend Elon Musk, because Elon guaranteed that the interview would be available unedited on Twitter. What a champion of free speech and press freedom Elon Musk is. All hail Elon. In case you can't guess, I'm being fucking sarcastic. The Telegraph says Putin has a notoriously hostile attitude towards the independent media. Journalists who refer to his invasion of Ukraine as a war and not a special operation face a prison sentence. And again, the Telegraph goes on to talk about Carlson thanking Elon Musk. Right. Now, my old pal David Icke and others have taken to using a term they're using a term, mainstream alternative media, M-A-M, MAM. And David is entitled to use such a term and he's entitled to talk about what he believes to be the mainstream alternative media. Others are using it. 
but I'd be a bit more dubious about others, not so much David. David has earned the right. Um, it's something that I've referred to for nearly a decade now as the truther industrial complex. I didn't coin the phrase. The phrase the truther industrial complex uh, first was, was first um, written by a Boston-based journalist about 13, 14 years ago. Tucker Carlson is the truther industrial complex incarnate, in my opinion. He is no journalist. We'll come back to that in a moment. Also in the Telegraph is a story with the headline, Carlson is not the only Western journalist brave enough to interview Putin. He is the only one allowed to. The Telegraph quotes the veteran CNN reporter Christine Amanpour. She responded to Carlson's video on Tuesday. It's absurd, she said. We'll continue to ask Putin for an interview, just as we have for years now. The article points out that in the four-minute promo for the interview, Carlson neglected to mention his fellow US journalist, Evan Gershkovich, who we mentioned a moment ago, who covered Russia for the Wall Street Journal and has found himself in prison since March of last year. Do we expect Tucker Carlson to ask Vladimir Putin about the number of journalists currently languishing in Russian prisons because they failed to report on the invasion of Ukraine in the manner Putin would have liked? Maybe. Maybe he will. We'll have to wait and see. Will Vladimir Putin be asked by Tucker Carlson about his links to the Young Leaders Programme at the World Economic Forum? Will he? We'll have to wait and see. Will Carlson ask Putin about his response to the COVID pandemic? Um, We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see is the answer to all of these questions. I'm not going to hold my breath that Tucker Carlson is going to ask any serious questions of Putin. Like, who's really pulling your strings, Vladimir? You know, who do you answer to? Why do... Why does everything you do seemingly fit into a wider global agenda, an economic agenda and a social agenda for humanity that basically ends up with every man, woman and child on this earth being enslaved forevermore? Do you think Carson will get into any of that with Vladimir Putin? I wouldn't hold my breath. The reason for this is you've only got to look at Carlson's recent interview with Russell Brand, which, in the opinion of this journalist, was a disgrace to reporting, an absolute disgrace to broadcasting. Carlson sat down and chuckled his way through 45 minutes with Brand. Fleetingly, he mentioned very briefly that there are charges and allegations against Brand. Brand said there were. He mumbled about you know, being a bit promiscuous during his drug-taking past, but he was never probed any further by Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson is not a journalist. Tucker Carlson is a fully paid-up member of the truther industrial complex and serves the system just as much as any politician, as any mainstream journalist. He never said to Brand, what about 16-year-old Alice? You sent cars to collect her from school, you groomed her, you took a condom off without her consent, you spat into her mouth. She's made these claims, you know. She's given extraordinary 
extraordinarily, I would say, detailed accounts of her time with you. What about Nadia? She says you raped her at your home in Los Angeles 10 years ago. Yeah. She um, was invited to join you and a friend you had in a bedroom, Russell. She wasn't aware of the friend. You pushed her against the wall. You raped her without using a condom. You even sent her a text message saying you were selfish and that you hoped she would forgive you. You ignored or she ignored a phone call from you, Russell. But she texted you later on to say she'd been terrified and that when a girl says no, it means no. You responded to the text saying you were terribly sorry and embarrassed. Is there any truth to any of that, Russell? Now, dear listener, I'm not saying that I know for a fact that any of this stuff is true. It isn't for me to say, but it is for me to ask as a journalist. Tucker Carson asked none of these questions. None. None. When Brand was working for the BBC in Los Angeles, a receptionist claimed she was followed into the toilet. Brand exposed himself to her, took out his penis, presented it to her and said that he was going to fuck her. Moments later, Brand recorded a radio show where the host of the radio show or his co-host said, um, you have just showed your willy to somebody, haven't you? And Brand laughed and yoked it up. None of this was mentioned during Tucker Carlson's conversation with Russell Brand. So you'll forgive me if I, again, I'm going to repeat myself, don't hold my breath that Tucker Carlson will do a serious interview with Vladimir Putin and properly challenge Putin on who he is, what he is doing and what or whom he really represents. Don't hold your breath, okay? Okay. The Times. Gary Lineker helps write BBC tweeting rules. Well, it is what it says. Lineker has helped the BBC to draft social media guidelines, which will give him more freedom to express his opinion online. That is according to Lineker himself. In March of last year, Lineker compared the language used by the Tories to that of Nazi Germany. That prompted a review of the rules governing the BBC's non-news staff by John Hardy, the former chief executive of ITN. I know the guidelines really, really well. I was partly involved in drawing them up with John Hardy, uh, Lineker told the Broadcasting Press Guild. There you are. Lineker says he has since stepped away from Twitter because it's become an increasingly toxic platform and he mainly uses it now to promote his programmes and his podcasts. Thought you might find that interesting. The Express. Biden talks gibberish during key speech as stunned viewers all say the same thing. Did you see this? Biden left onlookers stunned when the 81-year-old president appeared to speak gibberish and stumbled through an important speech. And the Express provides the transcript where an obviously cognitively impaired Biden fumbles and mumbles and fucks his way through a speech about Israel. I mean, it's comical now, isn't it? Biden, there, there is some movement and I, I don't want to. I don't want to. And then there's a very awkward pause. Choose, choose my words. There's, there's some movement. There's been a response. There's been a response from, from, from yeah, I'm sorry, from, from Hamas. No, 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 no. Right? Biden is as fucked as it gets, really. And is it the elite's way 
or the hidden hand's way of laughing their arses off at us, really? Is it their way of saying, look, we know that you know that your elected officials are not really in charge of anything? And this is the fucking proof, if ever you needed it. Look at the state of Joe Biden. (laughs) Oh, okay, just leave that one alone. The mirror. The government wants your neighbours to shop you to the police if you own an XL bully. Do you own an XL bully, dearest listener? Well, bullies have been banned. Well, they haven't really. The type has been banned. And if you believe the tabloid press, XL bullies are marching up and down the highways and byways of the UK, killing everybody they encounter. I'm exaggerating, but there is a there is a hysterical fervour. There is a hysterical note to the coverage around these massive big dogs with huge shoulders and massive big heads, these XL bullies. Um, number 10, a spokesperson for Downing Street says, if you think your neighbour has an illegal XL bully dog, pick up the phone and call the old bill. Shop your neighbour. That's in the mirror. The son King of Pain is the headline. The King of Pain. And The Sun is running a story today where it wonders if the problems with poor King Charles, if his cancer diagnosis has anything to do with the stress he has endured, God help him, in recent years. You know, intense stress, including the death of his dear papa the death of his even dearer mama, breakups in the family, Meghan saying that the royal household was racist, running away with his ginger stepson to Los Angeles, having mixed-race babies, race rows, the coronation. Maybe all of this has uh, stressed him out and the stress has brought on the cancer. And the son didn't even mention, you know, the death of his best friend, Jimmy Savile, a decade or ago, a decade or so ago, which it could have done. There's me fumbling over my words now, ironically, after taking the piss out of Joe Biden. Yeah, so the king of pain, <laughs> says Oh, dearest listener, what else is there? There's not much else really going on with the newspapers today. So I think um, I'll probably... The BBC is running an interesting story. On the website, Taylor Swift threatens to sue student who tracks her private jet. Wow. Jack Sweeney is a student and he uses publicly available data to track the takeoffs and landings of planes belonging to the wealthy and he posts them one day later. Taylor Swift's lawyers say this is stalking and he must be stopped. Twitter banned him for this. Elon Musk accused him of sharing his assassination coordinates. Musk said this could lead to people being assassinated and banned him. So Taylor Swift says you can't do this. You can't post my, you know, private plane flight information. The guy says he does it a day later. His name is Jack Sweeney and he might find that he won't be doing it for very much longer. That's the end of the papers today. I have been the BBG. If you like, you can listen to me later on from 4pm on The Richie Allen Show. 
The Richie Allen Show. Like the cleaning of a house, it never ends. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Sloan Tommel, Arrivederci then.